0: i mean what's that football 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 focus doing last week they had brainy this week they got we're doing it we're literally doing it differently from everybody else as a matter of fact moving forward from this point on i will not make reference to ready to get into it yeah yeah. all right we're going team by team i would be very careful about slinging stuff am i gonna get sued you got legal on
1: this i like football like football season all the things that go with it
0: Welcome in to the PFF NFL podcast, Steve Palazzola, Sam Monson. We're live. That's right, live on YouTube. And it's a great Monday morning. Sam's all fired up and drinking coffee. You've been here for hours grinding the film, huh? A little while. Yeah. Hours. So we got in here we we're like, hey, we're, we're going to hit the high notes. Preseason week two, we're going to talk rookies, we're going to talk QBs. And Sam looks at me and says, nope. Cowardly. Game by game. My request from last week was to go game by game, and we kind of covered something from every game, but this week you want to do it officially.
1: Yeah, let's go. Look, the season's getting here. This is what we do.
0: Well, we're not doing it next week. Next week's the backup preseason week, uh, right? So uh, anyway. Small backup
1: preseason week.
0: Little, uh little housekeeping for this week. We're going to be doing, this is it, our preseason week two review today. Um, we're going to maybe go to Tennessee tomorrow. We're still waiting to hear back. They canceled joint practice with the New England Patriots, but we might do something on the road, remote. Pretty sure we're going. Maybe from the car. If oh, for no
1: other reason than the, uh, the
0: hotels are non-refundable. Oh, so let's just go. <laughs> we're just go. We're going to Nashville. We'll do something in Nashville. Um, and then we'll have our next division previews this Thursday. So uh, set your schedule for all of that. Mm-hmm. All right. Are we ready to go? Yeah. You want to go game by game? Yeah, let's go. First, I got to tell you about Fabric. Where the heck is it? Hard to say. What's on your family's summer bucket list? I haven't read this one yet. Maybe some traveling, going swimming, cookouts in the backyard. You're running out of time. Summer's almost over. But something that should be on every parent's bucket list is protecting their children through every season of life, no matter what. Fabric by Gerber Life makes it quick and easy to protect your family with a term life insurance policy so you can focus on the fun. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget with quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online and on your schedule. You can go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. So join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash pffnfl. That's meetfabric.com slash pffnfl. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash pffnfl. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Insurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. All right, man, this weekend's schedule, what a pain, trying to keep up with all of it. <laughs> Three games the first two nights, they throw nine on at the same time. Got to watch them through NFL Plus, which deleted the rewind button, so if you missed a play, you can't go back. But we did it. We made it through. Thursday night, we had a tie. Cleveland Browns, 18. Philadelphia Eagles, 18. We're going game by game somehow. We've got to be quick. We don't have two and a half hours here. Mm-hmm. Quick takeaways on Browns and Eagles here.
1: Browns and Eagles. All right. Well, the game ended in a tie. What have you got? I mean, we don't care
0: about the game results. We're going to have to highlight some players here. Yeah. You wanted to go game by game. I assumed you had something. Dewan Jones. DeWan Jones and Nolan Smith. Rookie battle was very much fun.
1: Yeah, it was. It was really, it was an interesting battle as well. Nolan Smith strikes me as the kind of player that would give DeWan Jones problems just as a stylistic matchup, right? Small, fast, edge rusher. Those are the types of guys that you generally see monster, mammoth offensive tackle struggle against simply because you can't get down that far. And quick, you know, they're, they're sort of tailor-made to cause those guys problems. Like Dwight Freeney was always the guy that gave Bryant McKinney the biggest problems. Ironically, having had Brian McKinney make his reputation off allegedly shutting down Dwight Freeney in college. But I expected to see that, and there was one really bad play in there where Nolan, uh, not even really bad, but Nolan Smith beat Dewan Jones around the edge, and it's, it was like, uh-oh. So I turned on the tape expecting, going through play-by-play, like play, expecting to see Dewan Jones just get wrecked by Nolan Smith multiple times. Didn't really happen, and when it did, it was because Nolan Smith was winning first contact. It wasn't because he was winning with speed and beating him around the edge and using his size. He was fairly consistently stopping Dewan Jones get his punch. Like Dewan Jones would reach out for the punch and Nolan Smith would literally grab both wrists and just push them up and then run under. It's like uh, <laughs> that's not what I expected to see
0: independent and independent hand usage Nolan Smith.
1: Yeah, and not for Dewan Jones. Like if there's a flaw that he has right now it's being a little bit impatient with his punch like every time he actually got hands on the guy it's game over forget it you're not you're you're losing um but when he got into trouble it was because he was reaching out trying to get two hands on the guy and missing or not getting it done and too often Nolan Smith was into his chest now even when that was happening he's so big and strong you might not win the rep anyway because he's just so freaking huge. But we're now, what, three games in? Dewan Jones played like 150 snaps, which is more than most offensive tackles will play all preseason. And he looks good.
0: Yeah, only a handful of losses this preseason in pass protection from Dewan Jones. It is one of those games where Nolan Smith had those couple highlights, but they weren't egregious, clean lo- or losses for Dewan Jones, to your point. This was Dewan Jones at Ohio State. Even when he loses, yeah. it's not that bad. And that's so a very good The quarterback can flaw. get the throw off or whatever it might be. So Dewan Jones still looks good. And Nolan Smith also looked good. So that's a fun takeaway, I think, for both teams, both
1: rookies. Yeah. I mean, Dewan Jones, I, we said it all the way along. This is a fourth round pick who has first round talent and starting potential. And. He's backing up a right tackle with a fairly extensive injury history at this point. Do not be surprised if DeWan Jones is a starting right tackle before the end of this season. Um, Nolan Smith also had an outstanding
0: play on an end around. He uh, was too quick for the down block from the tight end, gets into the backfield, tracks down Anthony Schwartz. I definitely exaggerated that a little bit. Hmm. You know, 4-2 speed of Anthony Schwartz. Um, Who, but Nolan way, Smith with a great play. It, it's, it's actually it's good,
1: impressive how bad Anthony Schwartz is in the NFL. He
0: made a contested catch to start <laughs> yeah. the game, and then he did not. Yeah. Um, Cedric Tillman had another nice play on a double move. Mm. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, I think he had his worst game of the three. Missed a few throws. Maybe got away with one that he threw almost right at Keely Ringo that snuck through. But overall, still, that was the his... totality of the preseason is very positive for DTR. Yeah,
1: that was his worst game, and I came away still quite impressed by him. Um, he looks good uh nicobe dean played looked really good as well linebacker
0: that was another play that was involved that dewan jones was involved in jones did not he was if there's a knock on dewan jones so far it's been the run game this in particular didn't get to the second level quick enough boom dean's in the backfield forcing a fumble
1: yeah really good play by nicobe dean and miles jack goes and retires off the back of it that's My. how amazing dean was miles jack just thought no nope, i'm out I'm, I'm joking there that's not
0: miles jack did retire miles though is. so yes. um that part's true the reason was a joke it is interesting we've had it feels like we just started collecting college data 2014 um, we already have players coming into the league and retiring I was watching a game I think it was this game the other night there was a wrestler on there from whatever NXT or something who we had grading on from 2017 from South Carolina Mm. I mean we're getting
1: old man been doing this for a while uh Eagles backfield is worth trying to make some sense of that oh yeah people have been all over the place with the Eagles backfield I've seen reports that Rashad Penny is either going to get 2,000 rushing yards or he's going to get cut before the season starts. Like, that, it's all over the place. I don't, based on this evidence, I mean, the Eagles are like resting people week to week. It's not necessarily an indication of what's going on, but I don't think Penny, like, people were saying that Trey Sermon is going to jump Rashad Penny on the depth chart and Penny's actually not going to make the roster. Based off of this game, I don't think that's true at all. Um, Penny Sermon. played, broke off a big run, then got sat down. Trey Sermon played later, which is usually an indication of depth, uh, fumbled, um, didn't look as good generally. He yeah, so. had some big plays in there too. But. Right. I, I think Penny's safe, and I would imagine the the yeah. depth chart is going to be those three guys of Penny, Swift, and Gainwell, you know, jostling for uh, touches. I was thinking today on the way in, I want to talk more about running backs this year. Yeah? Yeah. The New Year's resolution in August.
0: That's right. Well, it's yeah. a new season resolution. Oh okay. there you go. You did it. Uh, so there you go. That's Browns Eagles. That was too long. See, that was a game. Easy. Friday night, there was another. Let's do both of the ties both the, the ties. Uh, Falcons and <laughs> the Bengals.
1: It's funny, I care so little about the actual score. I, I have no idea who won most of these games.
0: I thought it was interesting that two out of the first three games of the weekend were ties had 13 I, 13, Bengals and uh, Falcons. It got, I mean, it was exciting at the end.
1: Had I realized that was the case, I'd find it interesting too. Yeah. This is the first I'm aware of but
0: it. Now, our right? listeners now. <laughs> another tie Bengals Falcons 13-13 um I know my biggest takeaway was on the, uh, the Falcons playmakers we got our we got a look at uh, Bijan
1: Robinson that first carry the first like, carry was ridiculous that guy's gonna he's so good
0: yeah so good man I listen I, nothing against Desmond Ritter we'll see what ends up happening with Ritter he had a really nice back shoulder to Drake London
1: Ritter was good he's, yeah well, he was he yeah, was fine but
0: I'm saying knowing what I know I was thinking in my my head, if you dropped just a Ryan Tannehill on the Falcons, he's already had success with Arthur Smith, but if you just dropped Ryan Tannehill on the Falcons with all these playmakers, I think they're dangerous. Now, Desmond Ritter could be as good as Ryan Tannehill this year. Who knows? And people might say, Ryan Tannehill's terrible. Mm -hmm. Pretty good, though. Tannehill's a good NFL quarterback. If Ritter could play at that level, this offense could be dangerous. Bijan running the ball. He had a one-handed catch. Yeah. You tweeted out a one-handed catch of Kyle Pitts. Mm-hmm. So within like 10 plays, you see Bijan casually catching the ball with one hand. You see Kyle Pitts casually catching one with one hand. You see Drake London on a nice little back shoulder. The skill position talent for the Falcons on display.
1: Yeah. I mean, they, we, we've said this since they assembled this group. like The capacity of what that collection of playmakers can do, if they have even viable quarterback play, is kind of insane. Um, and we saw almost all of it in quick sequence. Like, that, I think all that happened on one drive, right? Those three plays you were talking about? Mm-hmm. The crossing play to Kyle Pitts that was behind him, the Bijan one-handed thing, the Bijan first carry, and then Drake London doing what Drake London does, which is just crush people at the catch point. I think all of that was on that one long drive. Uh, certainly very close together anyway. Like, I don't know that I've ever seen a receiver make off-target catches look as easy as Kyle Pitts. Like he catches things way away from where they're supposed to be with no problems whatsoever. And obviously the, the punchline to that is, well, he kind of has to, given the Falcons quarterback play since he got there. But, I mean, that is a really imposing group. And the the Bijan thing, like, obviously that first carry went viral. It was really, really good. But you just watch him play, and it's exactly the same guy in college. He makes everything look so, so smooth. And anybody that was under hyping him heading into the draft i think is just gonna look silly i think he's going to look insanely good yeah i mean let's who was under hyping bijan robinson so you got i mean the only people no you did get quite a bit of it. it's like bijan he's good but he's not you know best since adrian peterson good oh he might be i don't know
0: he might be um i think the only the thing that we're going to run into a lot and you and i saw it a little bit this weekend not to overreact to the you know the guy with 26 followers saying you said this that you never said um Mm. trying to separate running back value or say the will anderson trade value with they're going to be really good players right like every time bijan robinson runs for 50 people are gonna be like oh he's not worth the eighth overall pick it's like all right um that didn't prove it one way or the other just because it was a nice 50 yard run i think bijan's gonna be an awesome player the running back value thing is a four- to five-year proposition that we'll see how that plays out. Same thing with the Will Anderson thing. I think Will Anderson's going to be great. Awesome player. Will he be worth three players? We'll see. That's, those are the questions that you know, we'll be answering.
1: But for now, I'm going to enjoy the football. I'm going to enjoy watching those dudes play. Did you see the numbers from Jalen Mayfield in this game? No. Jalen Mayfield allowed six total pressures, including a sack, and had a penalty. Would you like to know how many pass-blocking snaps that occurred on? Fifteen. Eighteen. So fully a third of his pass-blocking snaps resulted in a pressure of some description. Was he playing tackle? Left tackle, yeah.
0: Yeah, they're they're playing him. uh, I know they've been training him at uh, swing tackle right now. He played guard last year. They're hoping he could be their swing tackle.
1: I mean, if there's one... If there's one thing you would do as a game plan, you know, it's take the worst pass blocking guard in the NFL and see if you can play left tackle.
0: Just trying to create versatility here. This season, DraftKings has launched the largest best ball tournament in DraftKings history. Right now, you can enter into DraftKings Best Ball Tournament for a shot at over $10 million in guaranteed cash prizes. Make your entry into the draft today. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the NFL season without having to worry about managing your roster, waiver wires, or anything else. To start playing best ball, download the DraftKings app using code PFF. Enter DraftKings Best Ball Millionaire Contest and snake draft your team for the season. Each week, you'll automatically rack up points from all your top scorers. No ads, no drops, no trades. No, we should have played him instead. Teams with the most points by the end of the season will have a shot to take home the $1 million top prize. So what are you waiting for? Head to the DraftKings app and sign, with, sign up the code PFF. Start playing best ball today. Join the DraftKings $10 million best ball tournament only on DraftKings with code PFF. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void or prohibited. See DraftKings.com
1: for details. Um, we haven't mentioned anybody on the Bengals yet. Uh, Andre Yosivash, the Princeton wide receiver. Still looking good. He is. Um, I'd liked him during the draft process. And, look, it's preseason. It's, it's a couple of games in. It might be completely meaningless. But the Bengals drafted two very good wide receivers, I think. And, you know, we've had this entire offseason discussion about what do you do with T. Higgins and Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow and can you keep them all together and blah, blah, blah. And Tyler Boyd there as well. I, it wouldn't shock me if both of those guys, Charlie Jones and Yosivas, um, End up being, you know, significant parts of their future plans. Yeah, I agree. Got to move on. Yeah, eleven targets in that game, by the way. You see, you see this? Yeah,
0: see Vash. Vash. Um, he had ten in week one. Right. Yeah, they're feeding him. Mm-hmm. I love it, man. I love, I love that strategy for the Bengals. Is get that, get that fourth receiver, get that insurance policy, Tyler Boyd replacement at some point, whatever it might be. Looking forward to uh, the Bengals receivers this year. All right, the other Friday night game: Giants twenty-one, Panthers nineteen. Big win for the Giants. Uh, my immediate takeaway. Um, sorry, I was about to go on a tangent. Wait, 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 wait. The two thousand preseason, yeah, the best. I tweeted this out a few the weeks 2000 ago. Two thousand
1: preseason. The two
0: thousand Jags Giants preseason game, the best finish to a preseason game in history, because the it, the Jags won because the Giants player tackled his his teammate. So Jags threw an inter- interception in the end zone yeah giants they intercept it the guy's about to run out and his teammates like no 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 you don't run out of the end zone you take that touchback." but he doesn't say it that way he does that by tackling him mm-hmm. tackles his teammate forces the fumble on his teammate ball drops in the end zone and the jags like fifth string tight end picks it up touchdown jags win tom coughlin's like see we just build winners here it
1: was a classic example of a guy like i feel like you want to applaud the the defender for doing the right thing only it just didn't work out <laughs> it's like yes Make sure your your teammate doesn't do the dumb thing. It's like I, the process was good. The He's results. Just yelling, no, don't right. you
0: come out. You take that touchback. Oh no! I the process
1: was sound. The results
0: were not. So for people who care about preseason results, that particular season where the Jags got that very important win. Yeah. They won six games that year, and the Giants went to the Super Bowl hmm. after losing that heartbreaker in the preseason. So anyway, Giants win twenty-one to nineteen. Their starting offense looked sharp. Yeah. Daniel Jones, 8 for 9, moving the ball around, and uh, Darren Waller looks like he's going to have 150 catches. Yeah, they're going to feed
1: that dude relentlessly. Um, the visual of Dexter Lawrence being in close proximity to Bryce Young was terrifying. I Every time he got near him, which was quite often because apparently Car- Car- yeah, Carolina's offensive line is bad. Uh, now, look, they were missing some players. It wasn't the starting five they're going to have. you can't just say is bad. It might be bad, though. Um, You could say we're bad. No, no, it might be bad. Uh, Anyway, it it happened quite a bit that Dexter Lawrence was getting quite close to Bryce Young. I felt every time it happened, I got that feeling. Remember when Alex Smith made his return, and it was against Aaron Donald, and like a couple of plays into being on the field after almost losing his leg – Aaron Donald jumps onto the back of Alex Smith and like like a backpack and you're like oh god don't hurt him the leg don't snap it nah like you felt protective towards Alex Smith when Aaron Donald was trying to murder him during the game I felt that way about Bryce Young it's like don't get a hold of him you're good. Getting... no it was scary yeah Dexter, Dexter Lawrence, Lawrence mo- is an extreme example there aren't many humans as large as him but still Dexter Lawrence was moving people um
0: So my quick Giants takeaways: Dexter Lawrence still awesome, even though he had a couple penalties in this game. Uh, Darren Waller is going to get fed. I I feel – I'm trying not to overrate the preseason stuff. We'll get to the Steelers later where I feel so many positives about the Steelers. I feel more positives about the Giants. I mean, so the team – two of the teams that I thought might regress, the Giants and the Vikings – on paper, they're supposed to regress because they overachieved last year, but I think they're going to – I don't know about the Vikings, but the Giants in particular I think are going to be a better team. Well, And so I think they'll be a better football team. I don't know if it'll show up in wins and losses, but the more I watch them, I think the more confidence
1: I have in them just being really competitive this I year. I mean, you were talking on the last show about the impact that Darren Waller can have. There are three, maybe, tight ends that have the ability – Maybe four. I think it's four, yeah, and he's one of them. Yeah, that have the ability to be the number one receiver on the team. Not, you know, forget tight end, but can actually take the place of a number one wide receiver. So, which changes the dynamic. Because if you're looking on paper and you're looking at this Giants wide receiver room, even though, you know, Jalen Hayek got loose for a deep touchdown uh, from the slot, you're looking at this group and you're like, I don't know if that's good enough for Daniel Jones, given what he needs to achieve this year. But then you add Darren Waller and you say, well, what if he's your number one guy and these other guys are now exactly what you always talk about, number two, three, four on the depth yard instead of one, two, three, that is different. It's like, you know, when tra- like, the Chiefs wide receiver room looks not great on paper, but when you factor in Travis Kelsey is their number one receiver, it looks an awful lot healthier because now you got two, three, and four and they don't need to be the, the alpha guy. So, I think people have potentially underestimated what Darren Waller can do to this offense if he stays healthy, which is still a pretty big caveat for him. Uh, from
0: Bryce Young's perspective for the Panthers, I feel like we haven't seen a ton, positive or negative, for two straight games now for Young. We right. saw pressure again in this game, as we mentioned, Dexter Lawrence, and um, just general pressure. You're going up against the Giants, who blitz, you know, week one they blitz 62% of their uh, defensive snaps in a preseason game, so... He was facing some heat the other day, but uh, Jonathan Mingo, your guy, kind of stopped on a couple routes there, but had some other positive it pains plays. Me to say
1: it. it wasn't a great game by Mingo. A couple of men, nah, two or three mental mistakes, and then he had the one play where you know he caught caught the ball, got drilled, bounced off it, and turned that into a, a bigger game than it could have should have been.
0: It's one of those games. I think when you really watch the game, you're saying, okay, there's there's a missing wide receiver feel there for him. But the actual the traits you know yeah. that you see on that play are positive, so from a scouting perspective, hey, that's good. from a how well did he play football perspective, there's some things he's going to have to tidy up if he's going to be a high volume receiver. you know
1: Nice play from uh Gary Jennings. Former West Virginia, right? Yeah.
0: Mountaineer? I have, uh, I have some random... And then where the
1: hell did he play? Somewhere in the XFL, the USFL? All over the place, yeah. He was with Bruce, right? The Battlehawks.
0: Remember, I have two different wide receiver models that I've played with. One right. of them, Gary Jennings is like absurdly high. Yeah. Out of this world he high. He was
1: really good.
0: Yeah. He, yeah, uh, he, played, he
1: was with Bruce. Bruce. The Battlehawks. I gotta talk
0: to Bruce mm. about Gary. Bruce had some takes about Gary, if memory serves. Great. I mean, I found out a lot of the players that I liked who should be a good uh, players on the field. Maybe, uh, maybe there's other reasons why maybe. they're not getting opportunities. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go Jaguars 25, Lions 7. We were at practice last week, and we did put a video out there on YouTube, and we called it our Jags-Lions preseason takeaways. It was mostly a couple interviews. <laughs> With uh, Lions people. But we can give some of our practice takeaways, which didn't necessarily match the game because different players played. Yeah. But uh, Jags win 25-7 to 7 here in the
1: all-important... I'd be fascinated to if somebody tallied the kind of correlation between uh, practice results and these joint scrimmages and then game results when the two teams play each other like three days later, I would be really interested to know what that looks like.
0: I was saying to you that the one data point, the one, the only thing that PFF is missing is how well teams play at practice, their own practices during the season. I would be need to talk to some more people. I wonder if there's any correlation between practicing well and playing well in the game. Because obviously coaches want to practice well. Yeah. But um, just like pitching, sometimes you warm up great and your game is terrible and vice versa. I assume football's the same way.
1: But at practice, we thought that the
0: Lions had, did a better job at the practice we were
1: at. Well, the offense certainly did. Yes. The defense, I think, was closer to an even battle. Um, That's fair. The Lions offense was moving the ball. Yes. And again, I
0: know there's... A million one, different reports and there was yeah. a touchdown here and there I'm just saying play for play the Lions were open against this Jag's defense although we did get reports that it was the opposite the day before right and weren't there.
1: and that's one thing like day to day it can be different but I can definitely see a world where you know you could argue what you could argue basically anything you wanted about the other side of the ball Jacksonville's offense against Detroit's defense I could see you you know weighing a couple of deep plays I could see you weighing the the defensive plays and coming to pretty much any conclusion if you wanted to put it that way. The other side of the ball, I can't see how you could come away with any conclusion other than Detroit's offense was cooking, Jacksonville's defense, um, even though it was you know shells and they're not in pads and blah blah blah, like they were winning. Uh, but apparently, the day before it had been a different story completely, and in the game it was much more Jacksonville than Detroit, albeit with potentially differences in who was playing. Um, I thought Tank Biggsby looked pretty good. Also, Running back Dearness Johnson. Yeah, how about that? Running back play. Look at us. Dearness Johnson, remember, got like a few games of, of playing time for Cleveland's absolutely loaded backfield when everybody got hurt one time. And everyone's like, ah, oh, the Browns have done it again. Here's another one. Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb and Dearness Johnson. And then everyone got healthy again. He never saw the field. But, I mean, he might be a thing. Like, they've added him to the, that backfield that already has uh, Travis Etienne who's a very, you know, they he's going to skew towards scat-back type usage, um, third down type plays, explosive type plays, Tony Pollard type deployment, which means there's a role there for a guy like Darius Johnson to be the kind of heavier, up-the-middle bell cow. And, well, he's battling Tank Bigsby for that role. Right.
0: And Bigsby got a lot of hype. He looked good. I thought there was, uh, there was a couple plays, again, where he uh, Bigsby showed off his traits, which were good. There was other plays, you know what I detest, Sam? The cutback on power. When when you cut back against your blocking on power, you're not supposed to cut back Mm. on power. And he did it into leverage. I don't love that. Um, But overall, Bigsby looked pretty good. Um, The other thing I wanted to highlight coming out of practice, the Jags' defensive line, their inability to get pressure, Jags beat reporters been talking about that for a few weeks. We talked about it a little bit when we said, hey, they were interested in Jadavion Clowney. Clowney ends up signing with the Baltimore Ravens. The Jags might need help up front. Josh Allen is a productive edge defender. Year two, number one overall pick, Trayvon Walker. I don't know if he's there yet. Guys like Caleb on Chason. on struggling in a preseason game where we see a lot of pass rushers beat up on backup offensive lines, and Chason's not able to do that. That could be a concern for Jacksonville. The other thing I wanted to highlight coming out of practice is the battle at linebacker. We had Alex Anzalone on the show on that one-off, that video on YouTube. Mm. Anzalone is the one linebacker for the Lions who is locked in as a starter, yep. which on paper might be surprising because you've got second-year Malcolm Rodriguez, who's a good player. You have first-round pick Jack Campbell, and you have Derek Barnes. Those three guys have been rotating next to Anzalone. Campbell's looked pretty good in the preseason. Uh, Malcolm Rodriguez had a great game the other day good season last year and then barnes is a you know versatile player so that's an interesting battle and it also shows i think the depth that the lions have that three pretty good players i think are battling for that spot up next to anzalone
1: so this was yeah this was a game where detroit rested most of the starters of any description um so rodriguez starting going out there having a really good game in 24 snaps i think was that was a good sort of marker to lay down for him to say you know take me seriously put me in as a starter the other guy I think that had a big game that was kind of important is James Houston um the Lions I don't think are necessarily inclined to give James Houston the kind of massively expanded workload that you would expect given the season he had last year remember we had some crazy ratio of sacks to pressures to snaps seven or eight sacks in about a hundred rushes yeah um and it, it was like, oh, look, the, the Lions have found another absolute gem, you know, in the sixth round and blah, blah, blah. I, I don't think that they're set to just, like, give him 500 snaps this year and see what that happens. So he's another guy that has to go out there and sort of basically demand that extra workload. And he, he played 36 snaps, 14 pass rushes, three total pressures. Like, that's a really good ratio. So, again, the more Houston can make himself undeniable in terms of just keep destroying people in preseason
0: all right Steelers bills Steelers 27 to 15 they were up 21 to nothing at the half Uh, my preseason I don't even know if it's an overreaction I think my takeaway is the Steelers are going to be good Mm. I found myself for for the first offseason in a while for months now saying a lot of positive things about the Steelers which included their offseason moves prior to the draft their actual draft class and then as we get into the preseason seeing their draft class in action Uh, Joey Porter Jr. had an interception that was like, give me, oh man, Matt Barkley throwing directly to the cover two corner at about 36 miles an hour. That was terrible, but good job by Joey Porter Jr. But really, Nick Herbig, the fourth round pick, incredible pass rush again, showing two straight weeks. That dude's going to be tough to block. I don't know if he'll see the field much this year, but that could be a gem in the fourth. Darnell Washington at tight end. Man, And, and, and then Kenny Pickett throwing the ball up the seam. Using in the middle of the field.
1: That was a really nice pass.
0: It was a great pass. You're texting me. Maybe Kenny Pickett's going to be really good. Second year hype here for Pickett. So I'm feeling really good about everything the Steelers have done for the last six
1: months. Yes. Kenny Pickett looks legit. Now, look, it was four dropbacks. So <laughs> in a world of small sample size, it doesn't get much smaller than that. But I think two of those dropbacks, he was maybe not under pressure, but he was forced out of the pocket. He was forced to move. It wasn't like you know every single one was just in rhythm watch him hit the open receiver he had some work to do and then that final one so they were talking about how mike tomlin and in fact he kind of said it as well during his interview in the game he can they wanted to give those starters like a serious run and they were out of the game by it was seven minutes seven and a half minutes left in the first quarter basically halfway point of the first quarter they were out of there because they'd had two drives and scored two touchdowns and it's like All right, fair enough. You've you've sort of earned your your spot on the sideline at this point. Now, the second one, it was a drive that started on, like, the 25-yard line because Calvin Austin had a nice return. Calvin Austin, for two weeks in a row now, has made plays and and helped set this team up. So Calvin Austin, I think, is going to be a factor for this team this year because he has that speed that nobody else on that team really has um, or certainly nobody outside of uh, the backfield. Kenny Pickett... First drive goes and scores. Second drive, like, with that short field, hits Friermuth up the seam over a linebacker in decent position. Ball, uh, Ball position from Pickett was fantastic. Scores a touchdown. And that offense just looked as good as it can look. And Tomlin was like, all right, I've seen enough backups, in you go. I, yeah, I mean, I agree that the Steelers' offense looked fantastic. And that was against starting Bill's defense. Like, they, that was not a case of, The offense looked great because it was going against backups. The Bills left the starters in for a while, and they had their ass kicked, essentially.
0: The Bills' offense, too, obviously they didn't score. Um, They had a 35-yard completion negated. I thought Josh Allen, there was a few plays where he felt like— That completion, by the way, was ridiculous.
1: Yeah. Like Josh Allen, that's one of those plays where, again, you saw the the full spectrum of Josh Allen in this game, right? You had that play where he's running around— getting himself into trouble for god knows what reason you're like what are you doing in this off season of telling everybody we're going to focus on like taking stuff off his plate and not relying on him to be superman in a (laughs) preseason game he goes doing that you're like what stop anyway and then another one where he makes that crazy like he's in trouble off balance and just arms a 35 yard pass to somebody and like Dude, yeah. There are not many quarterbacks that can do that.
0: Again, I, I think we've seen enough from Josh Allen to know what we're going to get from him. My only concern here is there's a few, a few plays where maybe the phantom pressure is getting to him, and we've seen this from quarterbacks. It's not even if the offensive line's losing; it's if there's a, a fear that they're going to. If there's a lack of trust there, and there was just a couple plays where he's a little uncomfortable in the pocket. There was also plenty of in rhythm, well protected, you know, plays from the pocket. That's what I'm going to do. at least be keeping an eye on from a takeaway standpoint. Keeping an eye on Josh Allen, comfort level in the pocket. Not that he can't play out of structure, but we don't want. Like if, that's, if 5% more plays are him running around, then
1: they don't want that right. in Buffalo. So I'll be keeping an eye on that going forward. A couple of sort of depth chart slash deployment usage takeaways from these. Uh, Deontay Hardy, who we loved as a move for Pittsburgh, looks like he's fairly entrenched as like the number three receiver, the slot guy. For Buffalo. Yes, Yes, sorry. Um, So Gabe Davis, Stephon Diggs, that's obviously your one, two. And then Hardy looks like the three. Dalton Kincaid played basically all the snaps with the starters there as well as the big slot, as the tight end. And then James Cook is going to be their lead back. I mean, James Cook was basically an ever-present there, albeit they're going to use him in the passing game an awful lot. And then from the Steelers' point of view, Uh, Jalen Warren with a big 62-yard touchdown as well. Pittsburgh is still in this spot where because of, like, some questionable approach to the run game and how they've sort of – how they think the dynamics seem to work there, have kind of soured on Najee Harris after drafting him in the first round because he couldn't individually fix their run game all by himself. Consequently, I think, like, Najee is going to be under pressure for that job, and anybody that flashes in any description – is going to have a good shot at taking snaps off him. So Jalen Warren with a 62-yard touchdown and showing again the speed that maybe nobody outside of Calvin Austin brings to that offense, I think Najee's going to have to you know fight a rearguard action to keep Warren from taking snaps away. I
0: appreciate your dedication
1: to the running back position here mm-hmm. on this show. It's always
0: been my uh, oh. it's always been my forte. Some people have noted it feels rushed. Do you like that? Your Matt forte? Yeah. Hey. it's really good. Thanks uh they we feel rushed i can't imagine other podcasts who try to touch on all the games they must feel rushed well we feel- i feel i feel rushed but we're just we're trying to give some nuggets because there's no like what does this mean for the Steelers having a win it's, it's it's about the individual performances and what that might mean going forward
1: well we're also a little bit rushed today because we only have an hour and a half for the show theoretically you've got to be somewhere after an hour and a half yeah. so we don't have that's been stretched out i guess i mean i can we don't have the ability to dedicate our usual two and a half hours to we'll every game in the preseason it's we're, we've been put on a time crunch now
0: we're at least attempting that if it lands at two and a half hours it lands there we'll see what happens all right let's go uh bears colt bears colt's with the big win 24 to 17
1: the preseason, i found, is also an interesting avenue to discover pronunciations of names that you, you didn't think they were pronounced that way. Pa- apparently, rookie quarterback for the Chicago Bears, his name is actually pronounced Bajent, not Bajent. Ah,
0: so just... Bajent is probably the biggest takeaway from this game, yeah.
1: though. Rookie from Shepherd, which is what, Division Two. Yeah. He was, like, all the way through the, the sort of pre-draft process... Teams were like, give us information on this guy because apparently he's a thing. Now, he went undrafted, so he can't have been that much of a thing. But now two games uh, where he's looked pretty damn good. He's looked pretty good. Yeah. That's it. That's all I got. Gardner that, Minshew's also a good
0: football player. Gardner Minshew's is good. Yeah. He had a really nice touchdown pass.
1: I like Gardner Minshew for the you Colts. You like Gardner Minshew. Yeah, that's all. I want Gardner Minshew to be better than Gardner Minshew is. Yeah. Is that reasonable? So Anthony Richardson didn't play, right? They gave him essentially the day off. So it was Gardner Minshew and then Sam Ellinger, quarterback. Uh, and This was another one of those games. So this is the week that's interesting because some teams still treat this week as like let's see some serious stuff from the starters and you can get them playing for a period of time. Other teams just are like, no, we don't do that in preseason. You're never seeing anybody.
0: Yeah, I don't know what that's going to end up being um some because you have two weeks between next week's game and the regular season you might see some preseason week three action from people yeah um i've been calling him Gervin, but gervon dexter gervon i've heard that too gervon dexter either way the second round pick for the bears number 98 the defensive tackle go gators um he's one of the more fascinating plays for me because remember around draft time i was like man the data is just not good on him and uh, a lot of people question the Florida scheme and all that. So far through 2 games, not great rushing the passer. Had a nice game against the Colts in the run game. Um certainly shows some of that explosion, former five-star ability, but I'm just I'm just interested in him. There's no strong takeaways either way <laughs> from uh from Dexter. Yeah, I mean I'm just it's a small sample size. He's not playing great. He's not he's not terrible. Um but the whole point, I think was that there's a massive projection there to get him to become an effective pass rusher because he hasn't done it at the college level or even a sound run defender. So far, he's great into 55. So, you know, no strong takeaways either way. Some good, some bad. Wow. Me, m- m- well, the bad is he's not rushing the passer
1: effectively. Okay. That's, That's the Bears. Um, Josh Downs looks like he is going to be on the field ahead of Isaiah McKenzie, which was up in the air when we were at training camp. You know, they were kind of splitting time with the ones. They were, if anything, it looked like McKenzie was ahead. Right now, Josh Downs looks like he's jumped him, which, you know, makes sense. I think you would give him the opportunity to to do that. So that's one takeaway, I think, of from this game.
0: My guy Darius Rush did not have a pick six, so he did not have as good of a grade
1: for the no, Colts. he also got hurt, I believe. Yeah, not good. I think he also got hurt after getting torched on a play. Like, you know, the, getting torched and then, Getting hurt at the same time—that's not—it's not usually a good combination. It's not. That's uh, you know, anything else on Bears Colts? Uh, Roshan Johnson has looked very good for the Chicago Bears so far. One—I th- mean, rookie out of Texas. Yeah, and rookie out of Texas also describes Bijan Robinson. So Roshan Johnson, a guy who is six foot two twenty-five, runs in the four fives, went in the fourth round. I think quite largely because the dude spent his college career in the shadow of B. John Robinson. It's another Cadillac Williams Ronnie Brown situation. Yeah, there. and it's like oh those two guys not really because they both got credited. You know, no, I, I know. mean like they I were both know. they could both go in the top five.
0: That's yes. crazy. Ronnie Brown went second and uh Cadillac went fifth, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So anyway, not quite, but the same situation in terms of one guy. Got, got the attention and they were both in the backfield at the same time but like Roshan Johnson has been running well so far in preseason and I think he could contribute for Chicago pretty quickly
0: all right let's go to Bucks and Jets the Bucks with the all-important win 13 to 6 I'm excited just watching Zach Wilson play football um, Kyle Trask got the start for the Bucks. the big takeaway here uh, going in Bucks media wasn't sure what the breakdown was going to be at quarterback between Kyle Trask and Baker Mayfield, right? Baker Mayfield did not play almost certainly solidifying him as the week one starter against mm-hmm. the Minnesota Vikings. So Kyle Trask, we got an extended look at Trask. Um, also not completely by design because their backup quarterback, John Wolford got hurt right after just five dropbacks. Trask had to go back into the game, but Trask looked good overall. Zach Wilson was interesting because his best plays were as a runner. He was juking people like crazy as a runner but still had some of the inconsistencies as a passer um incremental steps forward though for zach wilson this preseason compared to his first two years in the league
1: uh certainly in the like in the regular season but remember zach or yeah zach, his
0: regular like his regular season performance compared to what we're seeing in the preseason now it looks a little bit better for zach wilson right
1: remembering the zach wilson like in his first his rookie preseason looked absolutely phenomenal um Trey Palmer now, the speedy wide receiver out of Nebraska rookie for the Bucs, has now made more, like, good catch point plays in preseason than I saw almost his entire college career. Like, he's actually been playing the ball at its highest point, or relatively speaking, as opposed to consistently, like, short-arming, catching, or waiting for it to drop into a bucket the way he did in college. If he – I mean, this is a similar story to – um Quinton Johnston like if he can actually change the way he plays the ball at at the catch point which I still believe fundamentally is a very very difficult thing to do against preseason small sample sizes blah 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 but two games like back to back he's done it in a way that you just did not see from his college tape if he's able to do that that dude has 4-3 speed that, that absolutely shows up and plays I mean that could be a really interesting addition to this offense for Tampa Bay
0: yeah, he's kind of battling. So with, with uh, Russell Gage out, uh, Palmer is more... Season-ending injury. Season-ending getting. injury for Russell Gage, who is going to be the third wide receiver behind Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Mm-hmm. It's, it might be just rookie Trey Palmer. Um, second-year receiver Devin Tompkins has had a really exciting, really two straight preseasons, very undersized. Uh, tank Dell type of size. Um, so that, it's an interesting wide receiver. Three battle for the Bucs. Uh, I thought Trask looked pretty good. Um, worked through, he just worked with, within the flow of the offense. The Bucks' offense, we haven't seen a ton of it yet. It looks like there's going to be a lot of boot action. You know, the, the knock on Byron Leftwich with the Bucks the last few years, or at least last year in particular, not scheming open plays, just not doing a whole lot, a lot of pressure on just making receivers win and Brady, you know, hoping somebody wins and getting them the ball. There should be more easy plays. It looked like they were almost running too many, too much boot action. The Jets were all over it at points, but um, certainly an emphasis by the Jets, by the Bucs to get some easier throws for their quarterbacks. It's going to be Baker Mayfield, but again, I thought Trask looked solid. It was probably the best he's ever played. Um, Wasn't incredible, but the best, smoothest game and an extended extended look at him. Um, I mentioned Zach Wilson, again, passing inconsistent, had a couple incredible runs in there, and then the Jets defensive line, for whatever it is. I know they were playing the Bucks' backups. Mm-hmm. The Bucks' backups also had four guys who started NFL games last year. So it's not like they're <laughs> the worst players in the world. The Jets defensive line just looks so deep. And, you know, your guy Will McDonald, seeing, you know, his spin moves going around Twitter and the whole deal. Um, they should be able to rush the passer pretty well this year.
1: Mm-hmm. Um uh, marquise watts edge rusher for tampa bay had seven pressures in this game i'm now so he's tearing it up against the backups steven means is has retired right so the nfl now needs an heir to the dominant preseason never going to be a regular season type of guy who was the the packers had that jaron uh, jaron elliott yeah as well it does
0: seem of, of all the positions. And right? who
1: was that Stanford edge rusher that kept showing up in preseason, but clearly wasn't good enough to be a oh, yeah. NFL hybrid. I liked, yeah, I liked him in college, and I can't—he just wasn't good. Every enough. Every year,
0: you're like, this guy's still playing, yeah, isn't
1: he? <laughs> this guy's still getting 12
0: ed pressures during the preseason. So yeah, uh, every year, I think from a PFF grading standpoint, the guys that stand out are, are pass rushers in part because it's an easy way if you just if you have a few good reps, it you know, it can boost your grade or whatever, but you're going up against backup offensive lines. So every year there are intriguing pass rushers who beat up on backup offensive lines who don't ever really either get an opportunity in the league or they just can't do it against better talent.
1: And I think, yeah, the drop in talent between the first and the second string on the offensive line I think is steeper than it is certainly at edge rusher, which is why that, that looks it's why that dynamic exists, that guys can just crush preseason against, you know, second and third string offensive line. But as soon as you get to the regular season, you have to go up against legit NFL starters. It just doesn't translate as much as that. All right, let's go
0: Patriots and Packers. 21-17, to 17. Patriots win. This game got... Abandoned. Yes. Uh, with about 10-something left in the fourth quarter. Isaiah Bolden with an injury. They got carted off the field, so... Um, they just canceled the game. Patriots went ahead and canceled this week. or I guess the Titans may have canceled it. But they were supposed to have joint practice in Nashville this week. We were going to go drive down tomorrow, see that joint practice. Um, so Patriots are not making that trip to Nashville. I think it was New England's call. They decided to go home instead, and then they'll fly back for the game. Yeah, so they're still going to play the Titans next week, but they're going to have joint practice this week. Um, but we did see a lot of both starting units. And so you get Mac Jones out there. You get... Jordan Love, what are your – do you have any immediate takeaways here? Jordan Love
1: threw a dime for a touchdown. Yeah. What you got? Uh, Luke Musgrave is going to be a huge part of this offense. Um, He's obviously the starting tight end, um, but not just the starting tight end. He's – I think they're going to feature him. Like not just you're playing tight end, you're part of the starting offense, end of story – they are designing creative ways for Luke Musgrave to get the ball into his hands, which you don't generally see for a tight end. Um, you know, we were at practice. He's visibly an unusual athlete at the tight end position, like crazy speed, really big and long, athletic, um, and a strange, uh, a strange projection coming out of college because like insanely just small volume of play to work from. Luckily, like he was going to have an amazing season last year and then got hurt and got shut down. So you're really talking about a few games that you're projecting anything from. But given what we've seen in practice and what we've seen in this game, like I think he's going to be not just the, the top tight end in Green Bay, but actually going to be a featured part of the offense. Such a
0: fascinating world in, in Green Bay right now because Christian Watson is a legitimate deep threat. Romeo Dobbs is having... Another incredible preseason for the second straight year. Um, And then uh, Jaden Reed in there as a rookie that's making a ton of plays. And then Luke Musgrave at tight end making a ton of plays. All with fourth-year quarterback Jordan Love running the show. And we don't know exactly what we're going to see from Love, but he looked pretty sharp in this game. Um, He showed all the ranges of good and bad, I think, during the preseason, during practice, whatever it might be and this one was good man again he threw an absolute dart to uh to read for the touchdown i've been impressed i think overall by the packers i'm impressed by sean clifford as the backup especially after what we saw at practice (laughs) i tell everybody don't overrate the one practice that you were at and then here's sean clifford as a late round pick for out of penn state playing pretty well in the preseason uh malik heath receiver another rookie that was he showed well at the practices that we were at he's had a really good preseason the Packers are fascinating man not that Malik Heath's going to make a big impact this year but the youth movement you can have some growing pains when you rely on so much youth but it feels like one of those teams that just got like a really great recruiting class in college and it's really hyped up and, and, and there's initial the initial returns are good it might not show up on the field this year It feels like maybe next year the Packers could be really dangerous as they all get a little bit better. They could still be good this year too in a weak NFC. But fascinated by the future here in Green Bay because there's a lot of positives on that offense.
1: Yeah, I've been saying this for a while now. Like it's it's crazy young, but I quite like the receivers that the Packers have. You lump tight end into the wide receiver bucket and just call them all receivers. I think the collection of that group is actually pretty nice. Like we saw at the end of last season what Christian Watson can do, that blend of speed, size, et cetera, et cetera. The Romeo Dobbs hype, I don't think a year ago was just nothing. Like, it it obviously didn't result in what you would have expected if you just bought into the preseason hype. Like, Romeo Dobbs didn't have the Victor Cruz season that Victor Cruz had after the preseason that generated all the hype, right? But I think the Romeo Dobbs thing is for real. Like, he had two catches for 50 yards in this game. Uh, after showing really well in the first preseason game, after continuing to have another dominant training camp, I think Romeo Dobbs is going to be a good receiver. It's just the expectations based off training camp last year got completely out of control, and he didn't live up to that. And by the way, he got hurt, so it wasn't all just underachieving. Musgrave, we talked about, you know, what he can be. Jalen Reed or Jaden Reed, rather, they've got players that can operate in the slot. I think the collection of that group with, you know, Aaron Jones out of the backfield, et cetera, that's pretty nice. It it Like, it's crazy young. And anytime you have that volume of youth all rolled up together, it's scary because the chances are two or three of them are going to let you down. But I don't hate it. So on
0: the other side, the Patriots, uh, you did get C-Mac Jones a little bit. It was uh, They ran a few RPOs, not a New England staple through the years. Josh McDaniel almost never ran RPOs, or at least not through the – the new RPO lens, which is an actual run with the pull, um, so that's a, a new wrinkle to the Patriots' offense. Uh, Mac Jones has been playing pretty well at camp in recent weeks, and I thought he was all right in this game. He's got he had a really nice pass over the middle under pressure. Uh, the big question here is going to be the offensive line from for for New England. They have been good up front pretty good up front at least for the last six or seven years right since there was one or two years where the o-line dropped off after skarnecchia retired right but it's been a staple of consistency really in new england from a pass protection standpoint this game was not good uh overall training camp has not been good it, i don't know what to make of the patriots offense because i think i think mac jones is going to be solid i think he'll get it to their variety of playmakers that they've brought in even though there's no stars there but it could all fall apart if he's under pressure, thirty-five, forty percent of the time, and it, this looks like the off the type of offensive line, particularly a tackle when Trent Brown's not in there, that, it, it could be an issue. And um, again, not to overrate preseason when there are some guys in positions where they're they're not going to be starting, but this was not great up front. Matt, and that matches a lot of the
1: you know results coming out of training camp. Flip side of that is, do you know how many pressures the Green Bay Packers allowed as a team? I oh, they see they're. Pass blocking grades ridiculous. Zero. Correct. Jeez. Not a single pressure from anybody. Now there was pressure on the quarterback, but it was unblocked, or you know, came yeah, by. nothing
0: that we assigned right. directly to the uh, to the offensive. No line.
1: individual or
0: any or any blocker. Right.
1: No individual blocker surrendered pressure against the Patriots, which is I think the first time I can remember seeing that. Yeah, that's ridiculous. It was also a shortened game, so
0: they had a whole Correct. fourth quarter to not give up, or
1: most of the fourth that's true. quarter. There was not... a lot of third stringers breathing a sigh of relief there. Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty good. Um, I thought it was a good game. It was competitive for
0: both teams. I thought there was good positives on both sides for you know, teams that played their starters.
1: And you know, there. all Jordan Love can do is look solid in limited snaps this preseason, but second week in a row he's done that. Like you can't you can't be coming away so far out of this preseason more discouraged by just by uh jordan love than you were going into it like he's he's achieving what he can achieve which is just continue to look solid right, i don't want to tell you about our new partner ag1
0: the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health sam i'm sure you drink it every day like i do i like it in the morning so ag1 i've been looking for something that just has all the vitamins the, su- the, the just to supplement my my day because right? I don't have the best diet. Mm. So I got to supplement it with something. AG1 is exactly that. Supports my entire body. Covers my nutritional basis in the morning. So I drink it early. Makes me feel great. Ready to go. Makes me feel like I've got uh, all the nutrients that I'm not getting from my terrible diet.
1: Yeah, they send us, uh, they send us a little package of this stuff, and uh, including fancy little little bottle that you mix it up with with the water. It's, I do find it's a good thing to start the day with on the basis that look, typically my day was you start off you get up, you start with coffee right? You, let's, let's start off in a bad direction and head south from there but now you can actually start in a good direction, feed your body a, a concentrated uh, collection of nutrients in the water and then ruin your day later on, you know? Head in, head in the wrong direction from a good starting point. So it's the
0: micro habit that delivers the macro benefits and helps just about everybody take care of their health every single day. So, AG1, you mix one small scoop with water, drink it first thing every morning. That's how I do it. That's it. costs less than $3 a day. Pretty good, if you ask me. It's a really effective daily habit with high-quality sourced ingredients. It's a win-win. It's a comprehensive solution. That's what you need from your supplement routine. So you try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to ag1.com slash PFF. That's ag1.com slash PFF. Be sure to check it out. All right, we're on to the Titans and the Vikings. Titans Mm -hmm. 24, Vikings 16, uh, backup quarterback situation. Nick Mullins playing ball here for the Minnesota Vikings, nothing against Nick Mullins. These are the games that I struggle with the most in the preseason. If you don't have, like, the starter in for a little bit or you don't have a rookie or a young player I haven't seen much of, like a Malik Willis on the other side, it's like, right. it's Nick Mullins. It's year five of Nick Mullins. I know what I'm getting from Nick Mullins, and he's out there dropping back 45 times or whatever it is. It yeah. was 29 times.
1: It's a tough sell to be like, here's a here's a Nick Mullins game. Here, here, enjoy. Uh, yeah, that's – but – it does mean that you can just focus on the other side of the ball more, you know. Oh, well, let's let's see what Malik Willis can do as a starter, given how you know rough that went year one. Um, Lewisine has had a few. So obviously, Lewisine Vikings first round pick a year ago breaks his leg in that horror uh, accident play in in uh, it was in London, right? Yeah. Um, and then you know misses the majority of his rookie year because of that. Working his way back doesn't look like he's going to be starting or even featuring necessarily for the the first-team defense. Um, but he's, you know, going out there in preseason trying to show that he can be a factor for this team somehow. He got destroyed by Tajay Spears on a really nice run by Spears. The concerning thing for me on that was not necessarily, look, he came downhill, lowered his head, went in to, like, dive at the tackle, and Spears just leapt over him, essentially. Uh, I saw a quote after that where... Scene was like, I don't know what I could have done different. He just made a great play. You're like, dude, trust me, your coaches know what you could have done different. That was some horrific bad technique to tackle. Like that, if you don't know what you could have done different on that play, we've got some problems.
0: Yeah, I told you, the Vikings are going to be one of the more fascinating teams for me this year because of all the young players that they're relying on. Scene certainly has to play better. My guy, Ivan Pace, not a, as good of a game for him as we saw I mean he was up and down in week one as well but in this one you know you're he's going to do his best work probably as a pass rusher we're still seeing that here in the preseason but trying to find his way it, you know in the run game attacking blocks and also from a coverage standpoint some of the players that the vikings are relying on this year a caleb evans in the secondary and josh metellus just young unproven players including a lewis or a, an ivan pace um it's, it could go any way for the Vikings, right? They either have these unheralded players uh, plus a scene. They either have these players that they know something where maybe teams other teams don't, and they're going to be great, or they're going to they're going to have some struggles. So I'm fascinated by this defense, really, for the
1: vikings because i think they're going to be good on offense um this was a rough game in terms of so we talked about the spectrum of how teams treat these games and some starters some this was about as backupy as you're gonna see from a game like minnesota justin jefferson kj osborne jordan Addison, all out right just giving the night off not playing Jalen Nay- uh Jaylen naylor is expected to be like they're the next guy on the depth chart also didn't play so now like your battle in <laughs> the starters in this game were effectively number five wide receiver on the depth yard and onwards um i mean we we haven't seen kenny and Guangwu play yet for, out of the the running backs from the vikings he's that kick returner that's also ostensibly a running back and now there's that second job open because of dalvin cook being cut and alexander madison behind him like This was rough in terms of trying to discern anything from it.
0: From a Malik Willis standpoint on the other side, he has he goes 10 for 17 for 85 yards. Mm -hmm. uh, Interception that he just throws right to a linebacker, a couple other middle of the field passes that he would want back. But he also so he had more carries than completions. So 11 carries um, for 91 yards. So it's kind of not completely what we expected, but if Malik Willis was asked to play games again, you're going to see a little bit maybe of what we saw from Justin Fields early last year where he had more carries than completions and just was taking as many sacks as completions. It could be ugly if Malik Willis is forced to play. I think you might – there's some some improvement there. You see the dynamic rushing ability, but as a passer, there's still a lot of room to improve there.
1: What do you think they'll do at backup quarterback? Because it doesn't look like Will Levis is – you know, ready to take that backup spot. But given where they drafted him, they're not cutting him either, right? So they either roll into the season with that dynamic of Malik Willis is a, is a play away from being your starting quarterback, or do they actually sign somebody? Like, is, is Tennessee's backup currently on the roster is what I'm asking.
0: I think they have to be because you're, you're, you're still going to play the long game and kind of hope Malik Willis develops. Uh, Certainly hope that Will Levis develops. That's your draft pick. New regime comes in. It's your draft pick, top of the second round. It it honestly depends on if they want their backup to just bring something different to the table, which is Willis. You know, if he comes in and it's like, all right, now you have to defend him as a runner versus Will Levis getting backup reps the entire season. And stylistically, you're going to develop him as more of a pocket guy like Ryan Tannehill so when you, if you do have an injury, if Levis comes in, you're running the same offense, right? So what do, you, what do you want? Do you want to actually have something different where you're relying on Willis and his legs and trying to create some open throws off of that? Or do you want to have your backup running the same system as, as Tannehill? I don't know what that answer is, but either way, it looks like Malik Willis, you don't want to trust him to start more than a few games right now. Will Levis, you don't want to trust him to start more than a few games right now. So
1: pick. You I mean, want something different or you want something that looks a little bit similar to Tannehill? I wouldn't be shocked if Malik Willis doesn't make the roster and they sign somebody else to be the backup. Really?
0: Yeah. I mean, they showed that last year. They had the, the season on the line. I know that was Willis's rookie season versus that, but the season on the line, they grabbed Josh Dobbs off the street to bring him in to start a right. must-win game against the Jacks instead of Malik Willis, who had started a few games.
1: Remember how mad they were or fable was that Malik Willis wasn't just operating the offense effectively? That he's still playing just ad lib type of type of ball he's still doing that like and it's preseason where just do what you're being asked to do even if it doesn't go well because at least you're showing you're trying to do that you know what i mean like the, the winning the games part doesn't really matter so you're actually trying to work on something specific and if you're malik willis like, there's a video out there of him and then uh, Will Levis, you know, doing these kind of bag drills as a quarterback in footwork. And it looks very much like Willis is concentrating, you know, on, on slowing it down, doing some very fundamental adjustments to his footwork, right? So do that. It doesn't matter that it's as fast as the next guy or whatever. Like, you're specifically working on something that needs to be improved in your game. So, And it doesn't matter right now, so do it at whatever speed needs to be done. Just get the technique sound. The Titans want him to just run the offense. Stay in the pocket. Don't take advantage of your athleticism. Run. Like, actually use the passing uh, ability that you have. Work through reads. Do that stuff. And he's not doing that even in the preseason game. It's like, if, that, if you can't do that now there's no hope we're not this is not going to work
0: yeah that goes back to what I was saying about Anthony Richardson or what I thought that Eagles did with Jalen Hurts for a couple of years which was develop as a passer do these things that you're not as good at right now we know at any point you can take over as an athlete Josh Allen elements of that right work within the system we know at any point you could probably take over as an athlete it probably would be better for Malik Willis's long-term development if he does work on that in the preseason at the same time, like you said, he could get cut. It's important for him to show his ability. He rushed for 91 yards. You know, if he's a, maybe the Ravens want to bring him. If he got cut, the Ravens bring him in as a backup to Lamar Jackson, something, you know, whatever <laughs> he could go to Philadelphia, you know, instead of Mario to whatever it might be. Um, So it's an interesting spot for Willis, where he wants to show his ability, but you also want to have that long-term development as well. But his,
1: but his problem from a Tennessee point of view is that he scrambled on forty-one percent of his dropbacks. Yeah, like you can't like calculating that over there. A, you can't do that. Could have asked me. Thanks. A, you, you, you that can't happen, and B, it's almost certainly the opposite of what they're asking him to do. You know, to focus on. Like we know you can scramble, but we don't want to see that. We want to see you erring on the other side of that line and passing as much as humanly possible and scrambling as an absolute last resort all
0: right let's go Dolphins 28 Texans 3 we had uh, CJ Stroud back out there for Houston I thought he looked a lot better this week certainly yeah than last week so last week we only saw him for the four dropbacks. he had the one really bad interception on third and long it looked like PFF Bobby in Houston where they were really trying to get the ball out of Stroud's hands. Almost. Um, his first throw, I think it was a screen. It was an easy pass. He missed it. It was a pass in the flat. And he missed it by a mile. And it looked rushed. It was almost like the whole focus this week was get rid of the ball, CJ. Get rid of the ball. Do not hold it the way that you did on that in the first preseason game when he threw that pick. So the Texans had a whole bunch of boot action, uh, you know, quick game, get get the ball out of Stroud's hands. And overall, it looked a lot smoother. And I'll say there was at least two passes that really showed off Stroud's college accuracy. Threw a really nice deep out, right on point, and he had a crossing route on the run, boom, right on it. I mean, those were the types of passes that you saw at Ohio State when, when his receivers weren't running wide open. He would throw these pinpoint, beautiful passes, and we saw a couple of
1: those. I thought, in this game against the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I mean, Stroud definitely looked better now. There was some weird misses in there as well. Um, I, you know, I, 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 haven't, I didn't see anything in this game to be, like, overwhelmed in the opposite direction about C.J. Stroud. Um, Miami, Tua, had a weird interception. What the hell happened in that first? That was really
0: it, <laughs> that awful. Was, that was by. It was... Yeah, one of those passes that's if if the first guy doesn't pick it, the second guy might. Yeah,
1: I mean, it was one of those interceptions where it's difficult to determine what happened. You know, like a lot of most interceptions, you can at least understand either what they were trying to do or what broke down to stop that happening. Like you know, you just didn't see that linebacker that was hidden by the you know by the offensive line. It kind of makes some sense. This one, I was like I don't I don't understand. I I, I don't get why this happened. Um, And Miami's offense briefly looked like it was going to be in a world of trouble, and then they kind of got themselves together with a a big 14-play drive or whatever it was um, and sort of settled in from that point. Will Anderson with a couple splash plays for the Texans. Ran right over poor uh, Salvan Ahmed.
0: Yeah. That was not the blocking scheme, by the way, if you saw that. They were trying to get the guard, the pulling guard over there, but he got blown up on the way over there. So Will Anderson just ran over everybody in his path including Skyler Thompson for the force fumble. So uh, just to reiterate here, I think Will Anderson's going to be a fantastic player. thought he was awesome during draft time. Uh, I thought that people saying that Tyree Wilson had bigger upside than Will Anderson were crazy just because Tyree Wilson's longer and whatever. Maybe, maybe a better athlete. We don't know. We never tested. I think Will Anderson's the best defensive player with Jalen Carter and has the most upside. I think he's fantastic. Still going to be tough to be worth three players, but mm. I'm going to enjoy the football, like I said way back at the beginning of the show. I'm going do, to enjoy the ball.
1: I do wonder sometimes how people can listen to the show and come away with the takeaways they come away with.
0: Look, it's just it's the nature of social media. A lot of times people, you know, Johnny Texans fan has probably heard analysis on the Texans from 30 different sources, clearly doesn't remember where it came from, um, or you just want to hear whatever you want to hear, right? There was a thing going around a couple years ago where it's like the internet's all about just making something up and then running with it like people told me Steph Curry can't shoot that was the example that was used Hmm. it's like literally no one's ever said Steph Curry Curry can't shoot but you just made a straw man out of it and you know proved it wrong you proved it wrong Steph can't shoot let me show you Hmm. because people told me you can't
1: the closest thing we've ever said to negativity on Will Anderson was does he really belong in the truly elite conversation like the blue chip was the thing right this this draft is short of blue chips there's only like four of them or whatever and it was like does will anderson really belong in that category compared with the likes of the bosas and chase young and maybe aiden hutchinson was in that group as well that's about as close as we came and the argument and the answer to that was maybe like who knows there are grading points to say he's a he's a step behind that on the other hand there's sort of usage questions with how Alabama deployed him that can help explain some of that as well. Uh, the idea that we ever said he would be a bad NFL player is just nuts.
0: All right, I, don't, I don't want to respond to, like, some dude with t- – no, whatever. Some some guy who just made stuff up. But, yeah, I think Will Anderson's going to be great. Cool. And I was, I was more impressed with Stroud. Tua had a weird interception. Did you have any other
1: Dolphins-related takeaways? I, uh, I'm ready to move on. You're ready to move on. Not really Dolphins ones. Devin, how do you say that guy's second name? A-Chain? A-Chain. That's, that's how it's pronounced. You're
0: trusting me on pronunciations, huh?
1: I mean, you're the best I have right now. Uh, can, Devin can A-Chain get... Hold on, I got it. is Hold on. still pretty much buried on that depth chart. So as much as the prospect of what he can do in that offense and the speed and blah, blah, is too. exciting, but he's he's low on the depth chart at the moment. So it's going to be a slow burn if he's going to contribute.
0: So in the uh, I had the beast open randomly because I was looking up. Something last night. Mm-hmm. A Y dash chain is that I-chain or A-chain? That's I chain or A chain? That's A chain. That's A chain. Yeah, right. I would have an E at the end.
1: I, yes, I. Right. So it's A chain. Cool. He is still quite low in the depth chart. I think is going to be a slow burn. Devon A-chain. A chain. Yeah, uh, yeah. Devon A chain. If he's going to be a player for them this year. <laughs> if I see a D E V O N, I just call
0: everybody Devon, hmm. and I think a lot of people go by Devon. Could be, but I don't know. All right, let's go uh, Chiefs and Cardinals. What was the final score here? Very important.
1: Tank Dale didn't play. They had him. In, they had him warming up, and then it's like, nah, take your, your night, night off. He's a starter. He's not though. Starter is resting. Why do you think? You think they benched him? No, I, just, I mean rested. It's different to being a starter, like guaranteed. Yeah, he's going to be one of the top three wide receivers for the Texans. Okay, but other players that are also going to be in that category were playing in this game.
0: Yeah, because Tank doesn't need the reps. He's fine. He's all set. (laughs) You don't know how to read into these things. Chiefs 38, Cardinals 10. Looks like a regular season game here. You got to see a little Patrick Mahomes out there. And uh, he looked good, as usual.
1: Yeah, So the offense
0: struggled initially, right? They just had weird penalties. They were in a bunch of third and longs and everything. Mm. Mahomes threw a touchdown on the run. I will say there's not like a ton of... Back, back,
1: back, back up. Mahomes... Yes, threw a touchdown on the run, but also that play where he jumped in order to be able to attempt a pass whilst going out of bounds needs to be mentioned because that's insane. And people were like – Mention it. So you can't – Mahomes has now reached this point where you can't praise Mahomes without upsetting a bunch of people who are like, God, why don't you just get over it? If this was any other – you know, that meme of if Mahomes did this, the internet would blah, blah, blah. And people were pulling up that play. Remember when Joe Burrow was running out of bounds and threw a touchdown in the playoffs? I was like, Burrow did it first. The plays are so wildly different that I don't even know where to begin. Joe Burrow just threw a pass whilst running to the sideline and got it out of his hands before he went out of bounds. Like, the footwork was normal throwing on the run footwork. What Mahomes did was what you see rugby players do, which is, if I touch the ball... And the turf at the same time, I'm out of bounds. So I need to run to the sideline and then jump in the air and do everything I need to do whilst airborne so that by the time I've landed again, I'm no longer touching it. Also, you know, when you save the ball in basketball or um, when they save a touchback on punt coverage, right? I got to leap into the end zone, bat it back, and then save it without touching the ground. So he deliberately jumped in order to be able to throw a pass back across his body, like all of the things that are like coaches going, what are you doing? And still almost completed it. Now, it didn't, you know, it was slightly too far inside his receiver. On the safe side, by the way, everyone else had overrun it. But if Mahomes is now extending the boundaries of the field in order to be able to attempt plays, that's just a whole
0: world of crazy. There's not a whole lot of other... Patrick Mahomes analysis the one thing I'll say a little bit based off of what we've seen in the preseason and some training camp videos I want to say his arm looks a little bit better this year if that's even possible like general arm talent from Patrick Mahomes looks really good he threw uh and the other thing I would say is you don't see a ton of in rhythm downfield passes from Mahomes that might sound weird but like of all the just this is more like a stylistic thing not a criticism because you're not allowed to criticize him. The he doesn't throw a lot of in-rhythm just go balls. Not like allowed a lot to of praise other, him either. What?
1: Not allowed to can't praise, praise him either. or criticize. Right. You can't do
0: either. He doesn't throw a lot of in-rhythm go balls or in-rhythm downfield passes. He had one the other day, in-rhythm crossing route which was an absolute laser beam. Just pure velocity. Um, I think Josh Allen has better usually shows off better pure velocity than Mahomes. This was up there with Allen. So I thought that was interesting to see. You know, I think there are parts of Mahomes' game that I don't even—not even that they can improve—that you could just see more of in rhythm, downfield passes, both go balls with touch or something like this crosser. He showed that the other day. So um, the other big Chiefs takeaway for me was Rasheed Rice. Um, I don't know if you saw that the Chiefs had twenty-something <coughs> players caught passes. What? Yeah, it was like twenty. Three, six, nine, twelve, fifteen, eighteen 12, 15, 18 players caught uh, at least one pass, I believe it was. But Rice had 8 for 96. And so they were featuring Rasheed Rice. He's mostly playing in the slot. They fed him a ton of screens. He had a couple really nice uh, catch and runs after the catch, breaking away, creating after the catch. Watching Rice in this offense, I thought, and I don't know what you thought about him coming out of college, they mentioned his yak-ability at, the, at their draft press conference. Mm-hmm. I feel like his yak-ability isn't great on screens when you're just putting him in space. I feel like his yak-ability after more traditional catches, a little hitch and get up field or, or crossing route, whatever it might be, I feel like that is where he could shine. And if they're putting him in the slot where he's going to have a ton of space to operate, it looks like they want Rasheed Rice to really be a
1: weapon in this offense. He looked good
0: the other night after dropping his first pass.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so Kadarius Tony didn't play in this game, which left MVS as the guy that's, you know, the ever-present part of the offense as a receiver. Sky Moore played basically the whole time. Travis Kelsey obviously played the whole time. And then Justin Watson and Rasheed Rice effectively sort of split the the remaining snaps. So in terms of extrapolating what this receiving core is going to look like for the season, Tony is the big question mark, right? Because... The hype on him was all over the place in the offseason, but then he got hurt and hasn't really featured. Um, Sky Moore, I think, is becoming he's going to be that juju role this year, the role that I thought he'd have last year. Just a year removed. It's okay. Um, so he's going to be that part of the offense, and then the other spot is kind of up for grabs. Uh, is it going to be Kadarius Toney, or is a guy like Rasheed Rice going to be able to unseat him as like a serious part of this offense in his rookie year? Justin Ross, Justin right. Watson. There's yeah, I mean, a lot there's of chaos behind that. But those that's sort of the question mark, is that third spot in the offense. Chiefs look deep, man. And
0: all their quarterbacks, Shane Bouchel and Blaine Gabbert, everybody's putting up numbers in this one, uh, as you might expect. The Cardinals, the only takeaway I have is your guy, Josh Jones, looking good once again. They played him at right tackle week one, left tackle the other night, no pressures, 90-plus pass blocking grade. He's their third tackle here again somebody needs to trade probably and uh, you know that guy should be a starting left tackle in the NFL I'm just thinking the Jets the Jets might want to consider him again second week in a row I'm I'm suggesting the Jets might want to think about Josh Jones as he heads into year four yeah this is the time when offensive linemen continue to improve he already took that jump last year looks good so far
1: in the preseason Michael Wilson the Stanford wide receiver rookie for Cardinals looks to be a clear starter at this point Marquise Brown is one of them Michael Wilson is the other. Rondale Moore is going to be their slot guy. That's their starting trio and 11 personnel. Um, I think that's become reasonably clear for them. But, yeah, that's about it for that game.
0: 49ers 21, Broncos 20. You get a couple more games to get through here, Sam. I mean to uh, to enjoy mm. discussing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not get through. No. Trey Lance playing ball again.
1: What do you think? <sighs> yeah. Uh...
0: Better than the previous weeks.
1: Yeah. It was better. I think it was still fairly concerning. Um, the biggest problem he has is exactly what we were talking about last week, which is how many plays he's passing up, like, which is the card. I mean, that's bad for any quarterback, but in the Shanahan offense, that's like the cardinal sin. Whatever you do, don't start second-guessing the system. Because the system is a cheat code. We know this. The system is able to make Nick Mullins end up with the same yards per attempt figure as Aaron Rodgers. Like, the system works. So, what I need you to do is to trust the system, drop back, aim at number one, and fire the ball in there. Like, unless given catastrophic reason not to. I mean, there's other... Lance is not doing that. There's other plays, too, where he's
0: got a simple pass right over the ball into double coverage when the swing route is open, the swing pass is open.
1: Well, that's his problem. And so that's
0: just a pure misread.
1: Yes. In addition to passing up like the number one option, which is open on the play, he's also misreading the defense and making those catastrophic turnover-worthy plays that are to some degree an inevitable byproduct of this type of offense where you're attacking fairly dangerous areas of the field with regularity. But you can't have those two things at the same time. If you're doing one or the other, we can talk about it and we can work on something. Like, that's why Jimmy G was as successful as he was. He's going to make some misreads and some bad throws and some catastrophic turnover-worthy errors. But generally speaking, he's really good at dropping back, trusting what he's seeing, and hitting number one. If you do both at the same time, that doesn't work. I mean, I can't see a world where Trey Lance is the backup right now.
0: Uh, Our friend uh, Nate Tice noted Sam Darnold apologist Mm. or just uh, he just always gets sucked in by Sam Darnold every every I feel like we sent we sent some warning signals last year you know through social media when you know every week it was like man Sam Darnold's looking good for the Panthers he's looking good for the Panthers we're like Nate no he can't do no he's got incredible Sam Darnold but this is going to be fascinating because you have Shanahan Darnold has had stretches of good play he's had Four or five different stretches of one- to four-week stretches of play where Darnold does look good mm-hmm. as a rookie, other times with the Jets, <clears throat> last year with the Panthers. Like, it's it's existed. So are we in the middle of that with Darnold where he, he can make some really nice throws, you combine it with Shanahan. Like, the Darnold hype lasts a few weeks every single season. But could this actually be different because Kyle Shanahan's the X factor there?
1: I mean, look, if – if you factor in that Sam Darnold is capable of stringing together like 3 week sequences of really good play in basically any offense, I I would be very interested to see what a 17 game schedule of Sam Darnold within a Kyle Shanahan offense would look like. Now, I don't think it would necessarily fundamentally change what he is as a quarterback, but in the same way Brock Purdy's grade last season was like a 75, but he put numbers that were rivaling, you know, Peyton Manning out there. I think Sam Darnold could end up playing a, a bit better than Sam Darnold usually plays, but that actually result in something pretty special from an output point of view within this offense. Um, so, if Darnold is your backup to Brock Purdy, and then Brock Purdy does wobble or regress or whatever, turn back into a pumpkin, I I would be interested to see what Darnold could do in this offense. But I don't think it like means that Darnold is a completely new human being. But right now. I'm struggling to see how you turn to Trey Lance if, you know, the Purdy thing on spools and you have to go in a different direction. I, it, Lance has to be the three. Yeah.
0: It's such a – and we also don't know exactly where you're going to get it from Brock Purdy this year and right. year two. I mean, it's going to be a fascinating QB situation in San Francisco. Still probably the best we've seen from Trey Lance so far um, or in a while. But, yeah. Which is its own problem. Room to improve. Um, for the Broncos on the other side, a little bit of Russell Wilson. No real takeaways either way on Russ? or did Not
1: you? on Russ, no. Uh, Javante Williams came back. Yes. Running back. Which is insane. I mean, Javante Williams, remember, he had one of those knee injuries where, like, the more things you add up in the report, torn ACL. Okay, fine. It's relatively routine. We're back in nine months. We're good to go. ACL plus something cl plus something CL. like the more things you stack on top of what was actually damaged the worse the injury is to tell you let alone from a family of doctors mm -hmm, let alone then saying also you're a running back so you need your knee you know about as much as you're going to need it at any position in the nfl all the way along the noises about javante williams recovery have been good it's like he's way ahead of schedule he would be ready for week one and everyone's been kind of like He probably won't be, though, like, realistically. Uh, He was back in preseason wearing a giant, you know, scaffolding brace on his right knee, but he looked pretty good. I mean, I didn't – there was one play, his first carry, I think, where he looked like he had a bit of the J.K. Dobbins run limp thing to him, and I don't know how much he trusts cutting to his left off that right knee, but he looked pretty decent, made a lot of sort of reasonably good plays, had some yards after contact. Like, you're coming out of this and you're not saying that was a sort of sta- a stage, you know, fake return and he's actually not that close at all. I mean, he's part of that offense and he looks reasonably ready. Still might take some time. I and mean, just a couple of weeks ago, the report on
0: his knee looked like <coughs> the report on my knees, which is, you know,
1: at rest, it's not too
0: bad. Once I start moving around a little bit, you get some swelling and, you know, you want to keep the workload down at the moment. That's, right. It's my life right now, basically, for the, work for the rest of down. life. You know, don't want to move too much. On my on my fat knees. On knees. But um that'd be the only concern with Javante.
1: Yeah, like uh, I mean look, it could look like Cam Akers when he came back, right? Like making it back on that period of time was kind of insane, but when Cam when the the real game started, Cam Akers didn't look like the player he was before injury. Like Javante Williams may well not look like Javante Williams for a while. But he's back, he's playing already, and he doesn't look, you know, visibly this is like a complete shell of himself. Like he looks like he's capable of moving around, making some plays.
0: I want to highlight Nick Benito for the Broncos. A couple nice rushes there. looks quick and fast. Like he, like he did at Oklahoma could be a useful third rusher for Denver this year. That's what we were hoping for last year. Didn't always see that. Um, And then Ronnie Bell, big game at receiver for the 49ers. Your guy, Danny Gray gets hurt. Ronnie Bell steps up seven catches for a buck 14. Also two drops in there. But overall, Ronnie Bell looking like a pretty solid seventh-round pick here for the 49ers. Mm-hmm. Anything else to add to this game?
1: Uh, don't think so. Don't think so. Don't think so at all. Jake Moody missed another kick. Wow, look at you. I'm just, you know, anytime you draft a kicker very high, third round, Yeah, the man starts missing kicks. I Like, if you drafted a kicker in the first two days, let's say, of the draft— no, not that you would, but had you done that, would you even play him in preseason? Because all that can happen is he's going to miss a kick and ruin his confidence before he's even stepped on an NFL field. You don't field. need to
0: practice. No, like just yeah.
1: practice. Like He's drafted high. We think this guy's amazing. Now we need to maintain a Justin Tucker-like level of confidence regardless of what happens. All that can happen in preseason is he misses one and gets in his own head, and now you've ruined a third-round draft pick. Uh, I can't remember how many times I've said this, because we've, we've done a
0: lot of the research on projecting kickers, and there's no good research on projecting kickers. And I don't think it's because the position is, is unique compared to others. It's really just because there's no backup. It's, you're, either, you're either good or you're not. And if you're not good, you're immediately one of the worst six to eight kickers in the league, and who wants that on their team? Because the, the gauge is what the rest of the league is doing. So there's only 32 jobs. So that's why it's so difficult to pick kickers. If you miss on a quarterback, so it's like, like Trey Lance still has a chance to be good, but he gets to be the backup for a couple of years. And maybe he's good. Jordan Love got to sit for three years, and maybe he's good now, but he at least had that chance. Like kickers don't get a chance to sit. That's why it's not only risky as a draft pick, but it's just... You can't figure out who's going to be a good kicker anyway because if they fail, they don't sit on the bench for a little bit and figure it out. Like You need a new kicker if the guy fails. And that's why it looks like so many draft picks fail because as soon as you miss two or three kicks, you
1: become one of the worst kickers in the league and who wants that on their team? You also very rarely get given the opportunity to work through a stretch of bad play right like Dak Prescott can go out there and throw you know five interceptions in a three-week period and it's like all right fine let's work through it now that won't happen again yeah.
0: because we also know your baseline's higher and you'll right. get back to it and but if you're a kicker it's it, we, if a, we can't live with yeah, that if
1: a kicker goes through a stretch of a couple of games where he misses some really bad kicks he's probably not in the job in the next week right so even really really good NFL kickers just get booted out of the building when they go through a bad stretch of play. Like Daniel Carlson is ar- arguably the second best kicker in the NFL. You can make a case he's the best and Raiders fans will. Um Daniel Carlson will. is already on a second team. Like he bombed out of Minnesota because of that run of bad kicks and he had to, you know, rebuild his career with the Raiders and now he looks fantastic, but he could maybe he's two kicks away, you know, from being in crisis again and then he has to go and do it again. Like Graham Gano I don't know how many teams that dude has played for, but he seems to have gone through half a dozen of those stretches in his career where he's been amazing, you know, one of the best legs in the game, and then misses a few, and that team goes, up, oh, sorry, next, and he goes and has to rebuild it somewhere else. Like, the, the only player I can think of who's been able to sort of rebuild within the same organization is Mason Crosby, who seemed to go through stretches right where he, like, forgot how to kick a football. Yeah. And then they go, ah, we know Mason Crosby's really good. Let's let him get back on track. And then, but most of the time, you just don't get given the chance to rebuild that confidence. So anything that shatters the confidence is catastrophic. Uh, breaking news here. Our uh, trip to Nashville has been canceled. Oh.
0: Due to the joint practice being canceled, it might not be worth our while to make the trip hmm. for a couple of days. <laughs> so listen, you, call, you have to call Have we informed and them explain, that the hotel rooms are non-refundable? We'll see if they'll cover it. Maybe the Patriots will cover. The, you think the Patriots will I'll cover? We'll call Bob Kraft. We'll get that. You call Bob, yeah. Three more games to discuss, Sam. We're supposed to have a hard out here two minutes ago. Oh. Las Vegas Raiders 34, Los Angeles Rams 17.
1: The Aiden O'Connell show continues. It really does. He looked good. I, I mean, Again. look. Aiden O'Connell was a fascinating draft prospect because his good play was crazy good. But he also had quite an extensive list of bad play. He has yet to have that in two preseason games. And therefore, we are looking at a really good quarterback.
0: Because of the, the good, not only was he good, but there were games where he just elevated Purdue. And that stood out to me as well. He was one of those, I, I think I said, I can't remember how much I think or say. I certainly thought it at the time.
1: I can't remember how much I think or say.
0: Yeah. I can't remember how many things made it from my brain to the podcast. Gotcha. And I'm certainly not going to go look for it. But I at some point, I thought, and maybe even said, "Just want this guy on my team as a backup." Mm. because I, I really not just like a chasing upside type of thing, there there was something to his good plays. There yeah. was something to his ability to elevate Purdue. I know you talked about the the bad play reel is is disgusting, it but really i'm is. I'm kind of like as a backup, I'm okay with that. I'm kind of okay with that. We'll just we'll see, right? Let's see if we can cut out some of the disgusting and see what he can do. I he just looks really sharp. Um, for whatever it's worth, I did remind you, remember last year at this time, Sam Ellinger was putting together mm. ridiculous stats, like five incompletions, five touchdowns. You're running like crazy. So let's not overrate preseason performance, particularly preseason stats, but just performance-wise, Aiden O'Connell looks really good, much like a DTR looks really good, and that's encouraging, I think, for the future, particularly as a guy that's going to be a backup to
1: start. Yeah, I mean, it's a classic example of, like, don't overrate things too much. Like, there are, there are some – pretty terrible quarterbacks that have had amazing preseasons, So definitely. But Aiden O'Connell, I think, is is interesting because, because of what was there in his college tape. Like, if you were taking a shot on a late-round quarterback, he would have been one of the ones that I would be interested in because that good reel was so good. Um, and now we've had two games where he's looked really, really impressive. And particularly in this game where, like, just the contrast between what he was doing and – i mean i i watched him after watching trey lance it's like he's doing all the stuff that trey lance isn't doing with a fraction of the i mean the nfl experience but significantly more actual quarterback experience but he's reading coverages correctly he's looking off free safeties to buy him like he had a beautiful deep pass uh, to the right hand side of the field where his receiver had sort of beaten his guy it was pretty clear early he was going to win But there was a free safety that was hanging around. And Aiden O'Connell, let's be honest, does not have the greatest arm in the world. So he knew that he had to freeze that free safety. Otherwise, this ball was going to be challenged. And he didn't just, like, look. He didn't just sort of keep his eyes straight down the middle. He was looking at that guy on the right and then specifically looked left to to keep that safety left, to, to move him left, and then came back and hit the pass and got it there before the free safety arrived. Like, those are the kinds of things... He's playing really high-level stuff right now, which isn't to say that we're not, like, a snap away from him just beating the ball at a linebacker. But so far, he looks great. On the other side, we had uh,
0: the great Zach Robinson calling plays for the Rams. The great Zach Robinson. Yeah. PFF Zach was, uh, was, the, was the play caller. Yeah. Which isn't crazy. He was, uh, he was this close to being the play caller for the Chargers right this offseason until Kellen Moore became available. Think was, He was close. He was going to be there. Uh, but Zach got to call plays uh, for Stetson Bennett. Still saw some, uh, some bumps in the road for Stetson. He shows flashes of, of really good. Had a uh, rushing touchdown, show off his speed, but uh, had a pick six. Maybe some, mis- some miscommunications. Some errant passes there from Stetson.
1: Was that Stetson's fault, or was that Zach dialing up some bad plays for him? That's not Zach. Okay. Stetson's How much fault. does the play caller actually do in the preseason? <laughs> I don't think that's the way of,
0: of articulating it. I'm sorry, Zach had a lot yeah. on his plate Right. the other night.
1: Look, Zach, Zach was like, – he gave, he gave Stetson some great ingredients, and he did not produce the goods. That's, yeah. that's how you have to – McVeigh had another incredible interview, too. <laughs> they had a, so good, they
0: had a pick six while he was on. Yep. And he's just live calling the pick six. Yeah, I got a little fire zone there, and you know, I just dropped to the backer, and I just throw a pick six. There. We practiced this the other day. Great call there. Good pressure up the middle here in the big gap nailed
1: it you when that's what he said when you hear all the time what is wrong with my voice i don't know when you hear all the time about um you know the networks chasing the next great announcer or whatever like oh the fox just handed tom brady a 37 million a year deal like why what is tom what have you ever heard come out of tom brady's mouth that made you think he would be amazing on tv calling a game nothing peyton manning it made sense right peyton manning has always been funny and it has a long, extensive history of, like, being on TV or giving interviews or whatever. You immediately saw, that dude will be really good at this. And then, you know, Manning cast or whatever. But you get it with Peyton Manning. McVeigh's another one where it makes sense. Like, that guy, if he gets that one of those jobs eventually, you know, there's been talk that they've been trying to woo him away from the Rams for a while. If McVeigh ends up getting a, an announcing job, he's he's going to be really good at it, like, some of the best bits have been when he's been calling games from the sideline whilst coaching, like yeah. live. Yeah, it's really good. It's insane. That's my Rams takeaway. That Sean McVay's great in the booth? Yeah. Despite not being in the booth? Tyler Johnson still a part of 9 million miscommunications as a receiver. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, one of them I don't think was his fault. Now, that being said, I'm sure there were quite a few in Tampa Bay that weren't his fault, but it's quite difficult to deny that he is always around them even if he isn't actually at fault he's yeah. if there's a you know if two guys are not on the same page one of the two guys will be tyler johnson even if he's correct at the time
0: uh malcolm Kuntz had a nice day for the raiders rushing the passer
1: yeah one really sweet play
0: i'm um, trying to th- the uh second year wisconsin uh, logan Bros. Hmm. he bull rushed Logan Bruss into an ankle injury, yeah. basically. I don't know if there was an ankle before that, but he bull rushed him into an ankle injury. So more injuries up front for the Rams. Uh, Rams are going to be interesting with all the young players once, you know, Stafford and Donald get in cup, get back out there, and, and just the plethora of youth around them. I just I don't know what to expect from the Rams this year. Because on paper, it looks – nobody is proven except the four or five guys on the team – but that could mean one week they all play great and other weeks, you know, they give up like three punt returns for touchdowns. Who knows?
1: Rams uh, stat or Rams data point, Trey Tomlinson, the former Atrevious oh, Hodges Tomlinson, um, has now played, what is it, 58 total snaps across two games and has given up a passer rating of 39.6. You know what that passer rating is, Steve? It's like throwing the ball into the dirt, Sam. It's exactly like throwing the ball into the dirt. The exact same passer rating, in fact. So... Across those snaps, he has been targeted seven times and given up two catches for 16 yards and also had a pass breakup in each of the games. The other stat, zero snaps from the slot. Every single one of those snaps has come outside. aligned outside uh, or, you know, lined up at the line of scrimmage. But five, a guy that's five foot eight and 180 pounds is playing legitimately out wide, where he did in college, by the way. Like... This projection of him as the best slot in the draft was a projection. He played outside in college at that size. And so far, it's translating. Like We are looking at an Antoine Winfield senior type of player who is just able to out, like, out-muscle like his way to, be, to offsetting the size disparity that he has versus pretty much every wide receiver in the NFL.
0: For perspective, in college, Trey Tomlinson had 1,098... Coverage snaps as an outside corner, 1,098, and 28 in the slot. Right. So they have just moved him to the same role, playing outside, and so far so good for Trey Tomlinson. All right, a couple more games here. Dallas Cowboys, Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks win 22-14. to Got to see a little bit of Geno Smith for seven dropbacks. Uh, no Dak Prescott for the Cowboys. It was Cooper Rush and uh, Will Greer. Uh, Drew Locke continues to look pretty good for the Seahawks. We saw Jackson Smith and Jigba look super smooth on that deep over route. Great throw by Drew Locke. What a ball that was. It was. Drew Locke has, when he came out, he definitely had good arm talent, right? Really good. And again, I I, I feel like I, well, he's not Josh Allen. I feel like I put this all out out there.
1: He's not Josh Allen, but he's at the top end of the range of people that aren't Josh Allen.
0: But I, I feel like I've seen seen the arm talent on display more maybe just this preseason from drew Locke. the touchdown he threw in week one absolute bullet i mean he threw that ball hard and this one touch just over the defender smith and jigba i just I, i i think in my notes last year i said just the way he patrols the field it's just so smooth and under control and he knows where he's going and he gets there efficiently and i know the pass was perfectly right there but i felt like that pass summed up jackson smith and jigba as a as a prospect, basically, good route runner, he's going to create separation, and he doesn't have a great breakaway speed. So he probably should have scored on this one if he just had you know, four, high 4-4 four, four speed. He's not that fast, Smith and Jigba, so he doesn't score a touchdown on this deep over route, but he's open, creates the big play, and he looks like an immediate impact player for the Seahawks to go with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. They should be really encouraged by what that passing game can do, just having that trio
1: yeah no he's going to be I think a big part of that offense there's not it's not inconceivable that he could lead the team in you know various receiving categories even with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett there he's going to play basically the whole way Zach Charbonnet also got the start for them um and, and looked pretty good that obviously they added him in a fairly eyebrow raising draft pick given Kenneth Walker and what he'd done last season um but that's a, I mean, that's a good collection of skill position players the Seahawks have.
0: Charbonnet had a, a long run, and that's what I wanted to highlight here from a Dallas Cowboys perspective. Mozzie Smith, their first-round defensive tackle, not a great game for Mozzie. And so a couple, couple things to, to warn the people about, warning here. Uh, a warning against need, scouting, need, need base drafting and expecting immediate impact all the time if you thought that Mozzie Smith was going to come in and boom, Cowboys deep run defense is going to be perfect. They just got a 330 pound nose tackle who moves really well. That'll solve all the run defense problems. Mm-hmm. Doesn't work that way. Um, even Jordan Davis, who's bigger, more athletic. maybe a better, you know, straight up two gapping nose than Mozzie Smith. He wasn't great last year in his limited time before he got hurt. And he didn't shore up the Eagles run defense necessarily. Mozzie, Also had one play that was going around social media last week, which was fantastic. Took on a double team, shed, made the play. That was his one great play so far from the preseason. This game in particular was a rough one. On that big uh, Charbonnet run, uh, reach block by Evan Brown, the Seahawks center, pretty much owned Mozzie Smith. And and you hear a lot of, well, he's going to command doubles. It's like, no, one blocker is taking care of Mozzie Smith so far in the preseason, particularly in this game. Against Seattle, So um, sometimes defensive tackles don't make that immediate impact. I'm not saying it's over for Mozzie Smith or the Cowboys. It's been a rough couple of weeks overall outside of the, like, those one or two plays where it's been really good. So I think he's got good potential, but it's not this immediate, you know, we're going to shave a yard per carry off of our run defense because we just drafted a nose tackle. It doesn't work that way, and we're not seeing that on the field yet for the Cowboys.
1: Yeah, the defensive tackle is generally a position that actually does take a little time to adjust to the nfl level like some guys hit the ground running but mostly it isn't mostly that's one of a slow burn type of position uh demarvey and uh, overshone third round pick out of texas
0: had a decent couple weeks and he's going to be out for the season cowboys linebacker played only seven snaps he's out for the year so all i have is uh, negativity for the cowboys this week wow
1: what about jalen tolbert Oh, yeah.
0: I had Tolbert on my list. I did have him
1: on my list of year two breakout players. Yeah. So Tolbert, yeah. we Wide receivers become a position the opposite of defensive tackle, where you expect them to hit the ground running immediately and make amazing impacts, and tons of them do every single year. But I think that doesn't mean it has to be that way. Like, actually... Wide receivers can have success, you know, year two, year three, the same development arc we've always anticipated. And I think we tend to immediately write off the ones that don't succeed right away. Think, well, that was a miss. You know, particularly if they weren't like first round draft picks, right? Right. Like just a mid round guy that you liked and thought he could contribute right away and then he doesn't. Sky Moore is a good example, right? Sky Moore, I thought, could be the Juju Smith-Schuster a year ago, wasn't. Um, And you're like, well, that's that done. miss. Whereas actually now, Everyone's talking about him doing exactly that, just year two. And you saw last season there were a few plays where he was not on the same page as Patrick Mahomes, et cetera. Sometimes it just takes a little time. Tolbert was a guy I thought that had talent to contribute right away. The opportunity opened up for him a little bit last season for Dallas with you know injuries in space, trading away Amari Cooper, et cetera. And we really didn't see anything from him. Um, but reports from camp have been that he's been playing well. He's been forcing his way into the the reckoning. And even though they've got less opportunity now with Gallup healthier and with Brandon Cooks in, I think there's still a world where he could end up being their number four, which has been a guy that's contributed down the years. And, you know, in this game, he had, what, four catches for 66 yards. He had a weird... He doesn't... I don't know that he quite understands the best place to settle down on those kind of shallow crossing routes against zone coverage. You know what I mean? It's like he's running across and it either takes him a while to recognize its zone or he just doesn't seem to have the feel for where to settle. But other than that, like he made a lot of plays on the outside in particular. It's fun talking about football, man.
0: Yeah. we got all these, all this stuff to react to, to talk about. we got one more game to discuss here. New Orleans Saints, 22, Los Angeles Chargers, 17. Game got played in a hurricane earthquake combination out west there in LA. Um, they had a LA. couple of joint practices, a lot of Saints media asking, why are we even playing this game? They got a lot of first-team reps during the week. So we got to see Easton Stick with a record. I mean, he's, he's started like 29 straight preseason games, I think, for the Chargers. He's, he's got to be setting records. Easton Stick.
1: Is he? I mean, how long?
0: I'm making this stuff up. I actually had to look up. It feels like Easton Stick has more preseason dropbacks than Trey <laughs> Lance has dropbacks in his life. Oh, it might be close. It would be terrible. But Stick finishes 21 of 41. Oh, I was pulling some hilarious stats because so we have preseason data back to 2013 so when you look it up and I'm looking at who has the most dropbacks you know since 2013 in the Mm preseason it's it's Matt Barkley uh, Joe Webb Joe Webb and uh yeah I'll look it up again but they have just about a season's worth of dropbacks so it's like what if you took this quarterback who's never been a full-time starter Uh give him a season's worth of snaps what would his stats look like and they're all Sixty-three, sixty-four PFF grades, one-to-one big-time throw-to-turnover-worthy-play ratio, and it, it's hilarious. It's it, it's like the XFL. It's, just, <laughs> it's fun
1: against largely backup competition. Yeah, it's yeah. not,
0: but with backup receivers, right? It's all
1: yeah, with and against back. It's like watching a you know, it's like trying to evaluate Josh Allen coming into the NFL. Both with and against backup competition. Yeah, at Wyoming. So. uh a one play, my one
0: play scouting. So I'm giving you the dangers, the dangers of one play scouting. I don't want to hear
1: the dangers.
0: But no, I'm just I'm gonna I'm, I've given people the dangers, and then I'll admit that I'm guilty of it as well. So we had the Mozzie Smith one play scout last week. Great right. play, dude handles doubles, whatever. Um, Chargers second rounder Tuli Tuli Poloto
1: mm-hmm.
0: owned Trevor Penning on one play yesterday. The Saints, 2022 first-rounder. Just whooped him in the run game, tackle for a loss. It was a great play. It was the only big play that Tui Peloto made last night. I thought Trevor Penning was fine otherwise. But uh, one play scouting, that was a big one. I like Tuli. He could shore up, help shore up the Chargers' run defense. So I'm going to say the opposite. He he could do it this year by himself. Get him in the mix with Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa and move him around. He's still only 20 years old. I like Tuli a lot. So he looked good, second-round pick for the Chargers. Okay. But this was
1: mostly backups Yeah, in this game last night. Peyton Turner had a pretty good game, the guy that, you know, another former first-rounder. He was a first-rounder, right, not the top of the second. He was
0: the end of the first round, correct. Yeah. Um, he was another guy. We Right as I started criticizing him a little bit on the podcast, or basically saying, <laughs> hey, we're not seeing much from Peyton Turner last year, about halfway through the season. I want to pull up. He did start playing a little bit better down the stretch and i do think that the saints story this year is going to be the development of these young defensive linemen isaiah foskey in the second round brian brissy in the first round peyton turner former first rounder they have to replace a lot of production that's moved on over the last couple of years plus an agent cameron jordan huge story for the saints peyton turner played better down the stretch last year has a really good game last night that is something to keep an eye on for the saints because they need that d-line depth this year
1: yeah I mean anytime you're seeing you know a former first rounder start to spark in preseason it's at least worth paying attention to again it's preseason it might be meaningless but if he started to actually live up to his potential that would be you know a really big deal for them do you have anything else to add on this game not really this is the one game of the week of you know spread out random ass preseason games that I basically completely forgot existed you don't have to I, I know how to pull you through that. I knew that. I know that. I'm sensing
0: that. I know how to pull you through without you admitting it. Mm. I, I know that we believe in radical candor here on the PFF NFL podcast, yeah. and I appreciate that candor, mm-hmm. but I could have pulled you through.
1: No, I know that. I'm just, I'm just letting the people know. I yeah. forgot this game existed. You didn't miss much. The
0: Baltimore Ravens, the real story right now, because there's one more game this week. No. Just to remind you, there is a Monday night football game. No, I know that, yeah. Baltimore Ravens, Washington Commanders. What's the winning streak at here? 20... This is the greatest streak in 24? professional sports history. I believe it's 24. The Ravens, who have not lost a game since 2015 in the preseason, put the streak on the line tonight against the Washington Commanders. Against Sam Howell. What are you looking for and in this game? The enemy. Let's, let's preview the game. Uh, Ravens are the best preseason franchise of all time. Uh, You've never seen
1: anything like probably. it. Probably. And uh, they, they're putting the streak like on like the this. line here. Did the Bears have a streak? The hell knows. um i mean obviously just the streak i don't care that's the only thing i care about in this game literally the only thing
0: it's gonna be high drama i'm gonna i'll try to tweet through it no, actually no i'll be i'll be out and about i'll catch up on it later are we gonna get but uh, uh, i cannot wait the high drama here as the ravens try to keep, stay undefeated here
1: are we gonna get jadevian Clowney debut doubtful in in baltimore colors for the first time no did you see the first clip of him it's like oh here's first look of Gidiabian Clowney in a Baltimore uniform. Number one, he's wearing number twenty-four, which is it's just, just wrong. Stop it! It's terrible. Number two, the clip was him running a slant. It's like I mean that's an unconventional deployment for a former number one overall pick edge rusher.
0: I have been saying for a while we should we should think about more two way players and mm-hmm. maximizing roster spots as Shohei Otani has taken baseball by storm. Finding more players who can who could do more. Remember Julius Peppers. Was running slants. Do you remember Julius Peppers? for the pa- for the Packers? That didn't work out that well. <laughs> but I would have I would have put JJ Watt at tight end a little bit more. I, I would have tried that.
1: The highlight reel of Mike Vrabel. Yeah, he was ridiculous. You know, if you count tight end playoff playoffs, uh, Mike Vrabel, the outside linebacker, had more career touchdowns than Dan Campbell, the tight end. Really? Yeah. <laughs> now you made a statement. It was,
0: I think, it was controversial. You saw Dan in person last week yeah, and said all of those, you know, head coach, battle royal, mm. hypotheticals, Dan Campbell, hands down is the favorite. Yes. Now, if we ha- – maybe we should still go to Nashville tomorrow. If we were to go to Nashville tomorrow and you saw Mike Vrabel in person, would that change? Because with Vrabel, it might not be his stature. He would just glare at you. If you caught Vrabel's eyes, you, think that's gonna you would Dan throw Campbell? him to the number one seed over Dan Campbell.
1: No. The only head coach... So, you know, there's this thing of which head coach would win in a cage match, right? The only head coach I would even consider surviving past the first round against Dan Campbell is Mike Vrabel. Now, Vrabel, I think, would... St- now, this is my caveat when I tweeted it out was... You never know which coach is quietly, a, like, a brown belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you know? Feels like Todd Bowles might be that guy. Todd Bowles
0: has some, no, some secret I could black see, belts or
1: something. I could see Sean McDermott being, like, a black belt at something on the quiet. Brandon Staley, no. Because people bring up McDermott, Mike McDaniel, no. who would be feisty, right? And He was a former wrestler and stuff. McDermott, like, Dan Campbell would squash him like a grape. He just would. Again, unless McDermott quietly is, like, a black belt in jiu-jitsu, maybe. But... If it's just two of them in a cage and McDermott's scrappy, Dan Campbell would smush him, not even thinking about it. The only person I'm willing to consider might be able to give him a rumble is Mike Vrabel. Fair. But Dan Campbell is freaking huge. He's a big guy. And he's jacked. He's not just like large. He's massive and jacked to the gills. Like, there's that video series that we were in. Robert the, Sala.
0: We got some questions about Robert Sala being dude, in the
1: Dude, Robert series. Sala has got the best arm workout I've ever seen, according to his guns that, that are on display. But that Robert Sala, translate. from a size point of view, would be annihilated by Dan Campbell. Might not translate, huh? It's just like welterweight versus heavyweight. It's not a thing. He's going to get murdered. Um, yeah, so on that video that we were in, the Behind the Lines Dan or whatever it's called, Dan Campbell, so he's in his war room. He's... he's Smart casual attire, right? We're not going in just the lion's t-shirt stuff. He's wearing a shirt, like a button down. Um, But he's clearly in that world that you have some experience in, which is in order to accommodate my frame, I need a thing with multiple Xs attached to it, you know? So his shirt size has several Xs attached to it. But unlike most people whose shirt size has multiple Xs attached to it, Campbell doesn't need the belly room. So this thing is like a tent on him. It's like this giant shirt that I could probably fit three of me inside in order to for his giant shoulders and jacked arms to get into it. And then it's just like billowing around the midriff because he's shredded. Yeah. I'm just saying that man wins hands down the case. XL match. tall. <laughs> XL tall is the size. You might need double XL tall.
0: Well, we did it. We touched on every single football game. From this weekend, preseason Easy. week two. It's what we do. It's good practice for the season. Mm-hmm. Now just tack on another. That's not bad. Another thirty minutes. That's what the regular season will be. So get you. We need. We need our listeners and viewers to get ready as well. Be ready for two and a half hour previews and two and a half hour reviews. Be ready for the season because that's what we do here. We're trying to give everybody some time. So we appreciate everybody for tuning in. We'll be back again on Wednesday. We got more show there. We'll be doing another preview for two different divisions we're halfway through our season preview so big week here on the pff nfl podcast
1: apparently from the studio not from nashville we'll see maybe we got to go see rabel
0: might, might change your tune there all right thanks to everybody for tuning in we'll see you again on wednesday